Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Are You Listening podcast. That was hot. <laughs> that was hot. <laughs> My bad. Right no, back. you're good. <laughs> you're good. That's the perfect way to start off. I'm good with it. <laughs> uh, drinking tea that's way too hot way drinking. too hot uh my name is scott i'm here with my great friend brandon how you doing my friend mouth's a little burnt body's a little beat up but we're we're, we're ready to go we're doing the thing this week we're here to talk about boy sets fires record tomorrow come today this is their third studio album their first on what is considered a major label and is that label, and this will come in later, is yeah. that label Subcity? No, uh, the label they're on is Wind Up, or they were on for this record, is Wind Up, which is the independent section of Sony. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. so a big one, actually. Boy Sets Fire is a post-hardcore band from Newark, Delaware, that formed in October 1994. They're currently composed of two guitarists, Chad Istvan and Josh Latshaw, vocalist Nathan Gray, Two bassists, Robert Ehrenbrand and Chris Rackus, as well as Jared Shabelson on drums. That's the current lineup. Um, the only three that have stayed in the band the entire time are the two guitarists and the vocalist. The drums and bassists have been switched up plenty of times. So by current lineup, do you mean like today, today, or do you mean when this album Yeah, today, out? today. No, when this album came out, uh, I can give you that lineup. But yeah, today, today, there are six members of the band. And they're still active. They're still an active band. Supposedly? I haven't heard anything new come out from them since like 2016. Okay. that's. I mean, that's... But I, I think they're still touring and stuff. I think they were doing a 20th anniversary tour of this record. This record came out in 03, I thought. It did, so it wouldn't be 20th anniversary. I saw some kind of weird <laughs> anniversary tour they were doing. I only know it's 03 by one thing, and it's the same thing that'll come up later about Subsidy Records. Yeah, don't step on my facts, bro. This is my episode. I didn't research. Just like you, I don't do research on episodes <laughs> that aren't mine. Oh, you're good. The, the lineup when they were making this record, 
was of course uh, Nathan Gray, the vocalist, John Latshaw, Chad Istvan on guitars, Rob Avery on bass, and Matt Krapowski on drums. So just one bassist at that time. If my name was Nathan Gray, there's not a chance in hell I don't call myself X-Man every day. <laughs> right. Every day. There's not a chance. That's who I will be. I, that's who I would be that's forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's see, Boy Sets Fire released their first demo albums in 94 and 95, then released their first EP in 96 titled This Crying, This Screaming, My Voice is Being Born. In 97, they signed on to Initial Records and released their first LP, The Day the Sun Went Out. In 99, they released After the Eulogy on Victory Records. This is the one I questioned giving you instead of Tomorrow Come Today. And depending on your reaction to Tomorrow Come Today, maybe we'll go backwards at some point and give you after the eulogy. So they they jumped to the Sony label after Victory Records. Yeah, wild, right? I don't know how they escaped that prison cell that was Victory Records. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like they put out this little, um, there was like a six song EP with like three live tracks and then three tracks that showed up on tomorrow come today. And then off of that, some PR dude got in touch with them and they went to wind up, which was part of Sony. And then that started a whole, like this is the band's like darkest era <laughs> uh, being this album. On, yeah. Being on this record, uh, being on this record label. So do you mean just darkest thematically or no, like, like with no, like just with uh, their time as being a band. Okay, Okay. understood, understood. I I, I thought you were telling me this is their darkest album, like thematically. Oh, no. Sounding. Like, through through their other albums, are they Mm -hmm. kind of consistent with the sound? Like, is it pretty much you know it's a Boy Sets Fire record? After this record, they stayed the course with the more clean vocals, like over the, the harsh vocals. If you go yeah. back to their first two records, there's a little more harsh vocals in them, but they're they're pretty consistent with every record. Although the last couple records, I've only given a couple listens. I need to go back and revisit them, really for myself. But they did take like that more that more clean vocal style. There, there's a band that I kept thinking. Of, well, we'll get through it when we get to like the the album rundown. Okay. But there was a certain band that kept popping up in my head and. I, they, they, I think their career kind of did the same thing. So we'll, we'll oh, okay. probably be able to tie them in when we get there. Okay. Uh, the recording process for Tomorrow Come Today was fraught with major label complications and arguments within the band. There's not a whole lot online <laughs> if you look up uh, this band and the record. But I have like a vinyl pressing they just came out with this year. I ordered it. And inside the gatefold, there's a whole like story about how this record was made and what went down. And according to the band on the gatefold at a certain point, the atmosphere around the band, the studio and the label got toxic. The label was trying to push certain songs. The band just wasn't feeling those certain songs as much as the label, that kind of stuff. And then even after this record came out, the band like wanted their, the I mean, the, the label wanted the band sound to sound more, commercial of course because that's what major labels do mm-hmm. they brought the goo goo dolls to come in and write with boy sets fire yeah sounds great let's do it bring them dude in. what what's that guy's name what's the guy from the goo goo dolls johnny resnick 
Yeah, that sounds right. But like, how wild, right? Like, and there were there were some other names that that were in the gatefold that I I totally forgot. But yeah, off the top of my head, I remember them saying that after this record, they were having a hard time getting the label to agree to the songs that they were writing. So they brought in like all these like more pop bands to come write with them and stuff. And then after after that started, the band just started being total assholes to the label and like just not doing anything. And I think it was like a couple years after no movement as far as recording or releasing anything, the band went to the label and was like, okay, are you going to give us up yet? Like, can we, can we leave? And then, yeah, they did. So th- this is, it's absolutely, this is a scene record, right? Yeah. Hardcore. I, like it's like, this is part of the, I mean, if they were on victory, they were clearly a scene band, Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just curious if this album, maybe just to you, even when they moved to Sony, does this still feel like a scene record to you? Or were you already on board with boy sets fire? I was already on board. I first listened to them. It was after their second record had come out for a while. I think I saw the band open for somebody. I can't remember. Or maybe it was like a warp tour or something. I don't think they played a warp tour though. So I'm, I can't remember what show it was, but I saw them play in support of after the eulogy and uh, loved it. Like they were fantastic. And this was their first like new record that I was able to grab up. And this, uh, this CD came with a, with a DVD as well with like, kind of like the, the making process and recording process. And yeah, it was, it was cool. What do these guys dress like? I don't know why that matters. Just dudes. To me. Just I'm, dudes. Like yeah, of t-shirts the time, and like jeans. 03. Yeah. Like nothing, not pull up like t-shirts. Yeah. And like, what kind of jeans, like boot cut jeans or like straight leg jeans. <laughs> I don't, know it regular I don't know why it doesn't matter. But I don't know. Just for some reason in my head. I don't, I, I, don't, like I, I don't even know the difference between boot cut jeans and straight leg jeans. I mean, the straight leg jeans are like the tighter ones. And oh, so like cut, skinny jeans? Is that what you're talking about? I mean, there are there, there's a difference between skinny leg and straight leg also. But I think boot cut also. This isn't jean cast. I don't know what <laughs> it's we're doing. It's jean cast. But like, I think boots maybe taper a little at the bottom. To okay. go over boots, like that's oh, what sure. boot gotcha. cut means, maybe I don't yeah. know. I'm not a fashion designer. Um, R.I.P. Virgil Abloh. I don't recall seeing or paying too much attention to their jeans. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why it matters. I was just picturing like there's a certain there's a certain image in my head that I had while listening to some of this, and I just wanted to know if it was true. What was their fashion sense? One of those things. No, it's just like saying it's a scene record. I it sounds very pop driven scene music to me like it sounds it definitely sounds like they maybe came out of the scene and if they were on victory they were definitely a part of the scene at some point right but it sounds but and i hear maybe it was the goo goo dolls influence but there's (laughs) there's a lot of and we'll you know we'll get to it later i'm gonna keep saying that because i don't want to step on your shit all the time no you're good it's there there's a lot of sounds in here that are like that genre of and I, i i gotta say it this is I don't want to use this word negatively. Like, <laughs> oh no. The 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 generic rock that I don't really get down mm, with a lot. Yeah. Like there's some of that in there. And that right. just that's not what the scene ever sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. So but like there's moments that I've I, I clearly hear the scene in here. But, yeah. Oh, sorry, continue. No, you're good. Um yeah, I, I I hesitate to say that it's a scene record only because they didn't really ever follow the scene. Like, yeah, they were on victory, but they were... I think playing Warp Tour is a huge part of the scene, too. And if they didn't play Warp Tour, then you can argue they're not It's they're not a scene band. I'd, I'd have to double-check, like, the list of bands that played Warp Tour the years that I went. 
yeah. to see if they they ever played it. I'm not 100% sure, but I know I've seen them live three or four times, and I loved it. They're fantastic. Also in the gatefold, the singer Gray, uh, Nathan Gray said, it's like you always hear it when a band comes to a major label. It's work. It's not fun. It's not pleasurable. It's just work. They had gotten me a vocal coach, and I was doing all these weird warm-ups and training with this guy, which was horrible for my self-esteem. Like, they had him doing, like, so, warm-up type shit. Is it is it just one vocalist on all this, or does somebody else yep. do the harsh vocals? Nope, just one vocalist. And it, would you say that his range on this is different than other albums? Like, prior albums? Does it sound like he did more with his voice? I didn't think so. Okay. Like, I didn't know there was vocal warm-ups and all that stuff until I got the vinyl copy you know what i mean okay. yeah um after the eulogy he did his harsh vocals did his clean vocals and was phenomenal this is the band uh, if you remember when we were listening to the first emery record i said that the vocals on that record reminded me of a band well that's good because there's a lot of tracks on here where i was like this could be an emery song yeah <laughs> yeah Tomorrow Come Today was recorded at Ocean Studios in Burbank, California, Cello Studios in Hollywood, California, and Mama Joe's Recording in North Hollywood, California. That's a pizza place. That's not a, that's not a <laughs> right. studio. That's right. a pizza place. I was like, that's a wild name for a studio. <laughs> a pizza place. Uh, it was produced by Dave Fortman, who is the guitarist for the band Ugly Kid Joe. I only know Ugly Kid Joe from a cassette that I've seen. I've never listened to Ugly Kid Joe. I don't oh, okay. know anything about their music, but I've I've seen a cassette of Ugly Kid Joe. Is it the one where like it's a, a drawn? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. What kind of music is Ugly Kid Joe? They were like cuz in my head they're like a transition between like classic rock and like alternative. They're kind of punky alternative. Okay. Maybe I'll bring you Ugly Kid Joe one day. I have to go back and listen to it myself, though. So put it up. Put it on the list. I might put it on the list. I've come up with a lot of bands for you on the for the list this week. There's a lot of bands on that list for every week. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of true. I don't listen to music. We should change the title to this to "Brand Doesn't Listen to Music." <laughs> I like it. We could work with that. Dave Foreman also produced records for Evanescence, Mudvayne, Slipknot, Godsmack, Crowbar, Simple Plan and super joint ritual that is a wild array yeah i can hear some of those in this mm -hmm. I, I mean i know i could probably rationalize all those because every part of the album is well produced i think it's a very well put together album sure i just don't know if the material itself lends itself to cohesion as well as the production wanted it to but do you have offhand what mudvayne album it's probably lost and found Mudvayne was lost and found. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I called that shit. You did. And the new game. I don't even ever. I never even heard that one. Tomorrow Come Today was released on April 1st, 2003. It's 12 listed tracks, making up a 51 minute runtime with a hidden 13th track titled With Every Intention, which follows two minutes of silence after On and Five ends. Amazon Music just has that as the 13th track. Oh, so they listed it as a 13th track. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So well, I, didn't, I didn't have the silence leading into it. I just okay. had it as a 13th track. So when it came out on CD, yeah, you heard on and five. And then if you stuck with it playing for two minutes of complete silence, yeah, that final hidden, hidden track uh, came on. That's a scene thing through and through. Yeah. I think every used record had one of those. Yeah. 
by the way, I'm going to reference a thousand bands when it comes to this, <laughs> because there was a, a lot of my time spent listening to this record was this reminds me of this. This reminds me of this. This reminds oh, me of okay. this. And that's, and that's all I have to reference it. Yeah. But like a lot of it also was like, this reminds me of something and I don't know what. And then it would just click like on my ninth listen through. I'd be like, that's what this sounds <laughs> right, like. Right. Yeah. The record features one single, which was last year's Nest. Uh, which the record label chose to push, but the band didn't think was the strongest track on the record. Was see, I would have guessed that the single was um, "High Wire Balancing Act" or what is it? So "High Wire Escape Artist." "High Wire Escape Artist." It wasn't yeah. necessarily a single, but that song was featured on the 2003 Daredevil soundtrack. So the Ben Affleck Daredevil wow. movie. I've heard that song before then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That but, song yeah, was on that. I think that's also, and I don't know if Daredevil plays into it, but I think that's their, it's it's absolutely their most played track off this album on, on Amazon Music. Oh, okay. And I think it's their third most played track, period, on Amazon Music. That doesn't surprise me. That's why I thought it was a single. <laughs> yeah, no, that one, I mean, I don't know if you can consider it a single just because it shows up on a soundtrack, but I mean, that would be the reason why it would have more plays or something probably got a couple of reviews amy oh, i'm gonna murder this sicaretto from lambgoat.com yep uh she said despite a glossier sound tomorrow come today maintains bsf's indie punk rock ideals issues such as helping your neighbor doing onto others as you would have done to you spousal abuse terrorism wage slaves and questioning your government ring loud and clear BSF had made the jump to a bigger label with their cred and integrity fully intact. It's just that the songs on Tomorrow Come Today aren't as fun to scream or to mosh to in the pit. Things feel a little tamer, a little calmer, and gave it a 7 out of 10. Do you agree with that? That this is tamer and calmer than their previous albums? Yeah. Then I just need to ask. Sure. Knowing me and who I am yep. and what I, what I get down with, why was this the one that you chose as opposed to well, a I, potentially heavier one? When it, Not much heavier. Just more unleashed? This is more... This is more contained is what she said. Yeah. It's a little like... So if you remember last week when we when I was giving you the record, I said... After the eulogy is probably my favorite record of theirs. Yes. But you said there's some fat on but it. But there's some fat on it. Not saying there's not fat on this one, but on after the eulogy, there's definitely like two or three tracks that I could I could probably cut out and make <laughs> okay. it. So if, if there's ones that I am willing to if there's songs I'm willing to cut out, I have a strong feeling that you would say the same thing. Okay. I was I was just curious, like based off the what she what she is, has made me believe in that review yeah. is that if I go back to the previous record, it's going to be wilder, more off the wall, more okay. aggressive, maybe not heavier, more aggressive. Not a, not a lot. So maybe that review gave you the thought that their last record was chaotic. Yeah, it's not like, okay. let's okay. say, let's say tomorrow come today comes in at like on, on the wild rating a seven after okay. the eulogy is a strong eight okay so All so right. it's a little bit more tame but i mean this this record is a little bit more tame but not like not a ton that tameness will come in with that the label wanting the yeah. more 
pop sensibilities in it. Yeah. So it's, it's she. I'll agree with her to a point, but it's not like apples and oranges. It's not like wildly different. They still like. Not, it's even, not like this is a different band. Yeah. No. Even in the beginning, even on their first record, they still had that poppy kind of take on hardcore. Like they still try to make it more appealing to many people. I guess. I mean, there was a big push around 01, 02 to do that. Like there was a lot of bands incorporating the harsh vocal with this, with the softer, very good vocals. Like they're not just somebody singing, like they're very yeah. well done vocals. The one band that it took me a while to figure out who I wanted to compare this to was Evergreen Terrace. Okay. Yeah. Because they do the harsh vocal, although it's different vocalists. The, 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 the singer right. is a different yeah. guy. But it's they did very much the same, but I think they leaned more to the hardcore side, whereas yeah, Voice That's Fire leaned more to the the clean vocal side. Yeah, and that's that's partially due to the label they were on recording this one. Another review, it's actually three reviews uh, from ScenePointBlank.com, and it's three dudes that apparently do a bunch of reviews together. Their names are Sean, Seth, and Shane. Sean says it's basically the same band as before, but they've traded some of their post-hardcore sound for a sound that fits in more with the likes of the bands like Default and gave it a 4 out of 10. Seth said since BSF signed to a major and claimed they'd never sell out or change their music, they were for the most part telling the truth. Their music didn't change all that much, but that's not a good thing and gave a 2 out of 10. Shane said, Whenever a band signs to a major label, or in this case, the closest thing to, you always have naysayers who say, Oh, they are so going to change their sound. Sellouts? Well, in 98% of those cases, that is wrong. Welcome to the 2%. And gave it a 2 out of 10. So they all were not fans. They were they were not big fans of this record. The default thing is interesting to me. Because I I definitely feel like a lot of the sounds that I was hearing that I couldn't explain what it was okay. are bands that I don't really know. Gotcha. Like Default, I guess. Um, maybe Story of the Year. I don't really listen to Story of the Year. So right, yeah. maybe I hear some of that. Yeah, probably. Um, and one of the big ones, and it'll come in on a certain track, was I heard like some serious Three Days Grace. Oh, okay. And like, I don't listen to that either. Like that's, a, that's a whole, there's a whole like genre of that stuff. And I never want to sound like I'm shitting on it. It's just not for me. And it, and I don't know what to call it to make it sound <laughs> better, but like, it just, it's like generic alt radio rock. Sure. I maybe? gotcha. Yeah. Cause I never, I, maybe alternative is what I don't do. I don't get, cause like alt is just like alt pop. It's still pop music. It's just yeah. alternative pop music. Right. I don't. We'll, we'll figure this out one day. I know. <laughs> one day we'll get there. So the number one Billboard song in April 2003, In the Club by 50 Cent. Man, I'm telling you, week in and week out, <laughs> no matter what year it is, 50 comes up. Yeah. That dude is a chart killer. Right. Uh, I got some albums that were released in April 2003. Uh, the White Stripes Elephant. Madonna's American Life came out in April 2003. I don't know if I've ever listened to a full Madonna album. I know her hits. I don't even know if I know all of Madonna's hits. Madonna <laughs> fell right. I think I think I've talked about this before where growing up, my dad was listening to classic rock, like 70s yeah. classic rock. My mom was like more of a like a 60s Elvis fan and shit like that. <laughs> okay. Like 60s, 60s Elvis fan. Yeah. And then like very little pop music. And then my aunt 
who was younger was listening to like alt music. So there is a giant period from like 79 to like 95 that, that is you like just a don't know blank spot. It's, there's <laughs> right. nothing. And I've been trying. Like I've definitely went out of my way to try to figure out stuff in there that I missed. And more often than not, I'm finding things that I don't like in there yeah. more than I find things that I like in there. Yeah, that's gonna happen. There's a lot of misses. <laughs> but then but then I'm super high on like new wave. And a lot of people will say new wave was a bummer of a fucking genre. That's so. true. You just have a specific taste, my friend. The Black Keys Thick Freakness came out. Placebo came out with Sleeping with Ghosts. Placebo being the uh the band I told you the voice from the mountain goats kind of reminded me of. Yeah. And but, I told you and I gotta tell you again. Yep. I haven't listened to Placebo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never listened to Sleeping with Ghosts, so yeah, I don't know anything about that. Gojira came out with the link. Big fan of Gojira myself. I've listened I've listened to Gojira. I don't remember any Gojira. Like I don't remember fond memories or negative memories. I just know I I downloaded all of Gojira up to a certain <laughs> point. When did I down it had to be like 2009, 2010, maybe when I downloaded all of it. Okay. So whatever they had up until then, I've at least heard. Sure. Well, the link would have been one of those because it came out in 2003. Kelly Clarkson's Thankful came out. You and your Kelly Clarkson. You had to throw it on there. (laughs) I know. And then Rise Against came out with Revolutions Per Minute. And I actually know that that is the one that has like like an angel on it. Yes, that's like that's the one with like an angel. Their next record is the one with Swing Life Away. I only know that because of something that will come up later. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. I actually love that Rise Against record. That's probably my favorite of theirs. Revolution. I love that track. Yeah. (laughs) The only the only full Rise Against album I've listened to is the one with Hero of War on it. Oh, man. Is that is that the one with Swing Life Away or is that the next? No, I don't think so. I think that's the next one. Do you want to take a a guess at the number one album for April 1st, 2003? Just off the off top, like not not even any hints. Is it a singular artist or a band? It is a singular artist. It's 50 Cent. Yeah, it 100% is. <laughs> get rich or die trying. Yeah, it's get rich or die trying. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. Uh, you want to do your track by track rundown of Tomorrow Come Today? Yeah, so the first opening track is Eviction Article. Yes, sir. And I, I've thought about this long and hard. Okay. I, genuinely, I genuinely think if the first lyric of this would have been the clean vocal as mm-hmm. opposed to the harsh vocal... I may have felt completely different about this entire album. Okay. It starts off with a heavy song. Super into it. Like super into it. And then the clean vocal hit after it. And I was like, I don't know if I really like that clean vocal. Okay. And then it was after a couple run throughs where I started hearing the other bands that I would touch on. I had a list written down, which I lost. (laughs) It was a a whole (laughs) list of bands that I was hearing while going through. I have a few written down in my notes here, but. I mean, there was so much stuff I heard, but in eviction article, I think it gives you a lot of what you're going to get on the album. Like it, it gives right. you, it, it gave me the vibe of after this track, I was like, okay, I kind of know what I'm going to get from here on out to a point. Yeah. That being said, thematically, I have like three different stages when it comes to like political stuff in okay. music, essentially even like this type of music. The first one would have been like pre let's just call it the ignorance stage okay. where like I didn't know anything and I would have been like on board with this. I would have been like, sure. yeah, this is revolution. Just like generic <laughs> revolution. No, no meaning. Okay. Then I hit like the political punk realm where it's like, 
you can't just say revolution. Like, let's go burn some fucking post offices now. Like, <laughs> like this wouldn't have been enough for me. Like, sure, I, I, I got at you. that point, I would have been like, no, no, no. We need we need answers. We need to go and we need to stomp out some politicians. Okay. And then the third stage, which is probably the stage I'm at now, mm-hmm. where it's like I hear anarchy and it kind of like gives me a ring of nostalgia. But I'm just like, eh, it's never gonna happen. It's like, not. It's, yeah. It's not going to happen. Right. It, it, it was a nice dream to have to try to aim towards. Right. But yeah, I feel like Boy Sets Fire is more bringing awareness to certain things more than trying to stoke the fires of rebellion and go out there and beat some cops or something. <laughs> and at the same point, it's just like there, there's during that political year, like when I was in the political punk and shit, I wouldn't have seen. I would have heard like the revolution stuff and been mad at it and not taken it as this is just a song because right. everything I was listening to was this isn't a song. This is a mission statement. This right. is what we're doing. Yeah, and I then like crust punks were living the way they were living. It was a wild time. That was never me. <laughs> like, I was never there, dude. I can't be that dirty. I, no, I was I, never a crust punk, but I had I'm, friends that were crust punk. I'm not down in the trenches like that. Homie, I got to <laughs> go back to the suburbs and, uh, clean off get on some fresh pajama pants and a and a hoodie don't get me wrong though like even later i would see like the crust punks where like they live it like you could tell they've been living in their vest and patches oh, yeah, for no nah. and they still looked cool as shit though yeah right <laughs> like i'm like you are you look so cold but also like that's that is a lifestyle that has to be exhausting just so tiring dude i couldn't do it the same way that like trying to like living a lifestyle that everybody's trying to be hard all the time. Like everybody's trying to be gangster. It's just, it's so exhausting. It's so exhausting. And I've dabbled in both of those lifestyles (laughs) because I'm a wild human being. Hippie G. And And it, it it was just exhausting to like, you're, you're never comfortable. Like, I don't know why. I mean, I know, I know a lot of the, I'm sure I'm, talking light of like the hard and gangster but i know that's brought on by circumstances a lot of the time and it's a culture that i shouldn't have even been a part of but back to eviction article yeah sorry (laughs) the uh the blood is on your hands breakdown part of this track is great like it gets heavy the blood on your hands and honestly this first track i was like i'm gonna like this album i was like i'm from from this album i I said to myself doesn't matter really what's gonna happen i'm gonna enjoy this oh no (laughs) and then it took a left turn (laughs) Um, no, no, not necessarily. This album overall, this album is very interesting mm-hmm. and confusing to me. Okay. And I don't really know how to rationalize either of those. I wonder if that's part of the the label being, the, the label like trying to take more control. That could be it because it could be that more pop sensibilities that your Goo Goo Dolls, your default, your yeah. Three Days Grace could, that I don't listen to. Also, I don't know. I think the only reason Story of the Year was in my head is because like the logo on the album cover kind of looks like their Blood Swan logo or Black Swan, whatever album that was. Okay, it's I like only listened maybe, to like their first record, so I don't know anything. Yeah, I don't know. But there's like that whole genre that I felt like I heard a lot in this, and I was like, I know I've heard this before. I know I've heard right. something like this. Uh, second track, Last Year's Nest. This one's definitely less my vibe than the first one was. This is supposed to be the single from the from the record label too. It about halfway through it felt like Armor for Sleepish for me. Like I heard some Armor for Sleep in it. Okay. Which I, which I've never I like some tracks but I don't think I've ever like sat down and really taken in an album. 
I love their first record. Also, this album wouldn't have been one that I would have taken in had it not been for the show. Like, I would right. have listened to it. I'd have been like, that's fine. And I would have moved on. Okay. But be, but for the show, like, uh, you know, here we go. Right. <laughs> Hope will heal us all in this. I really like that line. Mm-hmm. They like to show what's wrong with what's going on and then kind of give you a little nugget. And and I like that nugget. Yeah. You know me. Yeah. I like hope. I, lo- I As we've said many times, I love love. That's why I was kind of, that's why I was giving you this one too. A lot of the tracks are like, here's a chunk. Here's a part of the song that I really like. Mm-hmm. And then here's a part of the song that I'm okay with. And then we're going to jump back into a part that I really like. And then it's just going to kind of end. Yeah. Like, a lot of it's like, I, I really, really get down on some of these parts. Like I'm super stoked about it. And then something, and it's not always the clean vocals. Cause I really, I like a lot of, I like a lot of the clean vocals on this, but sometimes the clean vocals would hit. And I'm just like, you took me out of my vibe, man. Yeah. In that gateful that I talked about earlier, they were talking about how this is where they learned the rules about making a song be like a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, end. And if there is one thing I will say, I do appreciate and enjoy that structure. You know yeah. how much I like structure. Yeah. And I, I like the structure in this. And I, I agree. I hear that. I hear them. The songwriting, I think, on this is solid. I just don't think I like some of the parts in the songwriting. Okay. Next track, Full Color Guilt. Mm-hmm. On this one, I had Senses Fail vibes. Oh, okay. See, because I can only reference what I know. Right, yeah. Based yeah. off what I've heard. So when I hear something, I'm like, maybe this is this? <laughs> but I definitely heard some Senses Fail vibes in this to the point where it reminded me of the beginning of Rum is for Drinking, Drinking not, not for Burning. Yeah. Yes. Where, like, I almost wanted to sing those lyrics. <laughs> And so far in this album, I all these tracks know when to end. Yeah. Like they they all aren't overstaying their welcome. And maybe that comes down to the structure. Like yeah. it's just I think it they, is. They they know how to end it. And this is what I started wondering. Like th- this has this has a feel and a sound that I, I know it's somewhere, but I can't place it. So then next track is Bathroy's Sainthood. Yes. And I'm gonna throw a weird vibe at the beginning of this, and it was only for a second. Okay. But I felt like toll vibes. Would that? Oh, okay. I think it might have been just been the the like the baseline that's out in your face. That's probably sure. all it was. Yeah. And then it went almost directly into Emery vibes. Like this could be an Emery track, mm-hmm. and yeah. not just because they say genuflect. Like it, <laughs> it just th- there are moments where I'm like, yeah, this this could definitely be Emery. Except for it's kind of the opposite of Emery's their comfort zone. Yes, but in my head it was also this is Emery, but. To me, the the Emory vocalists are way better. I don't I don't really want to say better. They're they're more individual, unique sounding. We've covered that before. How I like more unique, different yeah. voices. Another wild one in this track. Another wild vibe <laughs> that I felt. Okay, there was like a Minerva era Deftone sound. Oh, in this track too, which. I wasn't expecting and it took me a while and it's I think it's more the the way that the music and the hook were layered like the hook was going up and down as the backbeat was like fighting it almost sure okay and then Deftones did that a lot on that self-titled record they did yeah next track is dying on principle it sure is very aggressive and hard intro I got super into this intro this track (laughs) anytime there was something heavy on I liked every heavy part of this track every heavy part of this album I, I liked it. I loved what they were doing. Well, that's good. <laughs> it took me a while to figure out like, yeah, I really love the Evergreen Terrace heavy shit. Mm-hmm. 
and I do kind of not like the soft stuff as much. Like I, I appreciate it, but okay. I, for me, I would just like an entire heavy evergreen terrace record. <laughs> sure. And again, this is another one. It sounds like someone, but I can't place it. I can't figure out who it is. The exit riff, which was also the intro, mm-hmm. it's just as good as it was the beginning. Like the, the, the way they end this with the beginning riff was perfect. Next up, handful of redemption. Yep. Every track I've said has moments that I really like and moments I don't like at all. This one was very definitive of that. Okay. There, there was there was some definite moments on this that I was like, I really like that. And then the chorus, maybe. I was like, I don't like that. But then I found myself singing it. So like, I still enjoyed the shit. Out yeah, of it. it's very earwormy. Yeah, there's a lot of catch on this. Like, yeah. it's very catchy. The, if I were a Sony executive and I was mad at this album, I'd feel weird about it because right. it's very catchy. Yeah, they um on this record, they do a lot of the and it, like it's, it's weird because it was hard for me to pick up at first. They did a lot of the hardcore lyrical style of writing, but then put like a pop, more pop driven instrumentation behind it they did this thing where the lyrics don't rhyme but the way he presents them throughout the song makes it feel like they rhyme and then you hit it with a chorus that's so like earwormy like handful of redemption that does rhyme that it makes you feel like the entirety of the song is in that vein and i I, you just actually made me realize i think if this did rhyme i probably wouldn't like it because it would sound too poppy it would sound too much like the radio that's what i'm saying like they they still kept some of that hardcore style even when they were being shoved into the more pop area by the label yeah i didn't even think about that That, this this album rode a line for Mm -hmm. me for a long time like it was standing on the fence for a, a couple playthroughs where i was like i don't really know how i feel about Oh, man. Like, it was just like, I don't know if I... There were definitely moments I liked, but as a whole, it was on top of that fence, and I was like, I don't know. I need to keep listening to this. Sure. Which is also kind of endearing for an album to be like, no, you, <laughs> you want to listen to this more. You want to try to figure out what it right. is. I mean, maybe maybe it's just me. I don't know if a random no, guy for sure. is going to be like, be like, oh, nah, I better listen to that again. <laughs> right. Side note, a lot of these songs that have, like, their poppy more poppy side when they play them live are quite a bit faster and usually a bit more aggressive. That's what I, that's what I would anticipate from it. Yeah. When I, the one time I saw Evergreen Terrace, it was the same thing. It was just heavy. Yeah. It just, was go. just heavy. Yeah. Like, let's go. Yeah. I would, I think, and we, we, I may have talked about this before. I think Evergreen Terrace may have been what introduced me to like the, the breakdown. Oh, wow. I, okay. I, I took a change in my life. I was like, what's this sound now? <laughs> right. And then immediately transitioned to, oh, no, Throwdown's definitely my favorite album. Yeah, my right. favorite band. My, my definitely my favorite artist. Right. Uh, next track, we have Release the Dogs. Yes. This is a straight hardcore track for 35 seconds. Like, it's just going <laughs> off. This right. thing's fantastic. But it also, like, doesn't fit in. It, it It's the hardest thing because it does fit in. Everything on this album fits in with it. Yeah. But it it shouldn't. Right. Like it shouldn't fit in. <laughs> Once it like transitioned from the hardcore song to the cleaner vocals and what else like the, the boy sets fire ideas. Yeah. I realized the sound that I'm hearing. I re I this, oh, okay. this is when it clicked for me. It's not a specific band. Oh. It's all not right. even a it's not even a specific genre. Oh wow. It is warp tour. This gotcha. just sounds yeah. like Warp Tour. Yeah. Like if you just take all the bands that are playing at one one hour of any day, crush them together, 
make them put songs together. <laughs> That's what this sounds like to me. It is Vans Warped Tour. Right. And when that when that clicked for me, and I was like, I really liked Warped Tour. I like this album. <laughs> Whenever he, the dogs, when it like release the dogs, the yeah. dog scream, yeah. it sounds exactly like the Silverstein scream. So also another thing for this, he has never really done low growls before. Okay. This was another thing where the label kind of pushed him to do low okay. end growling in his vocals. And I think that's probably, that might be why it sounds like the Silverstein growl, because I don't think the Silverstein low stuff I think it's just like that certain low, low growl. Mm. If it's not done properly, it, that's what it sounds like. Like they're probably not using their diaphragm. They're probably not screaming that yeah. part properly. He, he said that he felt awkward doing the low growls on this record just because that's not how he does it. Yes. And he's, he's never done. Like I said earlier, they got him a vocal coach for this record. He's never had to have a vocal coach before. He's never done warmups before. He just knows how to contain his his harsh vocals to a mm-hmm. point where he's not going to blow out his voice ever. Yeah. And he said he doesn't, he doesn't drink uh, alcohol, drink water, keep it contained and your voice will be golden. He, he's never done those lows before. Yeah. It's wild. That, that makes more sense then because the silver seed lows weren't a commonplace either. No. The one it really reminded me of is my heart bleeds no more. Like mm. that's the, that's the, that's the lyric that I heard when he said like release the dogs. I heard the right. same tone in there. I gotcha. And then this track, I loved it and it grabbed me back in. This album does a thing where every time um, I might start questioning it, like okay. anytime it was on that line and I'd be like, oh, man, th- I don't really like this. And then the, the things I didn't like would start to maybe outweigh the things I like more. Mm-hmm. This track, it would do like the album would do something to grab me back in. And that was release what this the dogs was, was that track. Release the Dogs brought me right back into it. And gotcha. I was like, yeah, let's go. Moving sure. on uh, to the next track, Foundations to Burn. Mm-hmm. This one was very the used to me. It sounded okay. like a used track. And there's a lot of used in this. I can we'll see get that. that. Especially the album Closer, which was a hidden track, technically. Are you talking about no. On and Five or the, the hidden? The, the hidden track with every intention. I felt yeah. like that thing could have been a used track. Right. That's, that's partially another reason I gave you this record is because I know both of our feelings about the used. Yeah. And so I, I kind of felt that too in some of these yeah, tracks. There's, there's some definite used on here. Yeah. But it hits that point then of like diminishing returns for me because I really like the used. Yeah. And, and Bert's voice is very definitive. Like Bert has sure. a unique voice. Yeah. So then when, when I heard this, it was you sounding, but it wasn't but, Bert's voice. Right. I, so I was like, I was like, okay. I mean, I, I still like it, but it's not, to, it's not, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't take that next level to what needs to be like, yeah, this is okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. Foundation's been very used but it leans more towards that. Let's just call it alt rock. <laughs> sure. Alt radio okay. rock. It leans towards that alt radio rock that I don't really vibe with too much. Right. Next is management versus labor. Mm-hmm. Very rise againsty. Yeah. On this one. Very much. And I think this is the this is the track where I realize there's a lot of rise againsty sounds on this album. Like sure. this is kind of you know it, it's kind of what was happening, but like not early rise against. I guess it'd be later was, rise against. I was gonna say this came out before that version of yeah. rise against came out. Though. Yes. Yes. I, and I do I do acknowledge yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Because. Revolutions Per Minute came out the same year, the same month. Yeah. That actually they were only a week apart. That's that's pretty insane. Yeah. That's just parallel thinking is what that Isn't is. Isn't that wild? And then I actually think that Management vs. Labor is very catchy. It's a very catchy song. <laughs> uh-huh. 
and I feel like I could see it on TRL in mm. like the the Switchfoot era, like whenever Switchfoot was on TRL. Okay, yeah. But like never like higher than like number nine. Like they, it's and they gonna only, be on the low. <laughs> they only play like thirteen seconds of it before they cut in with Fred Durst interviewing somebody on the street. <laughs> right. Next up, we have High Wire Escape Artist, which was the single, right? Nope. This no. was the one that was a Daredevil. Yeah, this was the Daredevil one. To me, the vocals on this were too much of the same. Okay. It was just kind of the same thing throughout. I enjoy the chorus and I enjoy when it does its breakdown, but. The three days, this is the one where I felt heavy three days, three days grace. grace vibes. Sure. To be specific, the I hate everything about you three days grace. Track, oh, I yeah. This. Yeah. And I was just like, by the way, I don't like necessarily dislike three days grace. Like whatever I've heard of theirs on the radio when I was forced to hear the radio, I didn't hate. But mm-hmm. it's just not, it's not something that I go out of my way to listen to. Sure. Next up, white wedding dress. Yeah. And now this is the one as I've, that I've referenced many times that it's going to come up later. I knew this song. Oh, Okay. I knew this song and I mentioned it based off of Subsidy Records because this song popped up on a Subsidy Records compilation oh. of Take Action Volume 3. Okay. Yeah, I know that. This track was sandwiched in between Thursdays for the Work First Drowning and Rise Against Like an Angel. Dude, those are great tracks. And I still remember the opening PSA of the Take Action, because the whole thing about the Take Action albums were um, to prevent suicide. Yeah. Like, it was mm-hmm. all promoting, like, get help, call the hotline. And doing the PSA on Take Action Volume 3 was Ryan Premack from Poison the Well. Oh, okay, yeah. And I still remember, hello, this is Ryan Premack from Poison the Well. Depression is the leading cause of suicide, and it's treatable. Nobody should have to suffer alone. For you are the ones you love. Like, all of it. That's great. All of it. <laughs> and I went through the track list on that thing, and I was like, wow, this compilation introduced me to a ton of bands. Yeah. A ton of bands. And I had some nostalgia for this, but I think Thursday overshadowed it before it, and then Rise Against overshadowed yeah, it after it. It's tough to be sandwiched by those bands. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Uh, but yeah, White Wedding Dress, I have nostalgia with it. I love that track because it gave me just enough nostalgia where I was like, yeah, that takes me. And then I listened to the PSA from Ryan Premack again. And I was like, this, <laughs> right. is, this is a whole nother ball game. Right. And then what was the closer on in five, but wasn't to me until right. I don't know, 40 minutes ago. I was going to say until we started doing this, another ripper intro. Uh, mm-hmm. This is another one where I said, every time I start to question the album, it grabs my hair and tugs me right back in. This one had heavy evergreen terrace vibes. Sure. Very similar to Evergreen Terrace is what I realized on this. I was like, yeah, a lot of these are because there's really heavy spots. Although you could argue that Evergreen Terrace went heavier, but yeah, I w- well, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, yes, but they also they were erratic too. I'm not here to compare Evergreen Terrace, and Boys <laughs> Fire. but Evergreen Terrace and Boys That's Fire were were are, are very similar in my head. Yeah, and I I don't know if I would have felt differently about this if I had to wait two minutes before the final before the hidden track. But I'm just gonna consider the hidden track, the final track. Sure. Because it works better for my book and test. Too. That's fine. <laughs> With every intention, heavy used feels for me. Like it just felt like a right. straight used track. I don't hate this track at all, but I feel like I should. Like there's something in me. But then I also realized there was a time when albums would come out and the final track was always something different. Something, Yeah. Yeah. So I think in my head, I give a lot of bands free passes for final tracks because like, hey, you're just trying something different. Sure. Now, I do acknowledge that that might like mess with the cohesion of an album or something. 
but this one i i liked it i i felt like i should have hated it but i didn't sure. and i liked it a lot and i felt like it was a great closer because you know how i like punctuation on things. yeah and right. this felt like this felt like a an ending maybe not a period but like an ellipsis right like it was just like okay ended I, there's an end at least yeah so all in all i liked this record oh it, good it rode the the fence for a long time but i listened to this thing a lot and i like this up like every time i listened to it it would get catchier yeah and i would like it more and Although there were moments like I was listening to it at work, mm-hmm. not out at the comic shop. And I just had it playing. Like, I didn't have earbuds in. I just had it playing on my phone. Sure. And it's not exactly like public friendly because there's moments when it gets super heavy where I'm like, ah, I, I don't want to like scare somebody that comes in the right. shop. Yeah. And then the times where it gets super bands I don't listen to sounding. Mm hmm there's a part of me that like kind of like feels embarrassed to listen to it. Like, like <laughs> I don't want somebody to walk in and be like, is this dude over here listening to this? Like what the right. hell is wrong with this dude? Yeah. And I know that's just me in my head. Like I know nobody's in here like thinking I'm listening to Nickelback. But <laughs> right. That's the fear I have that, that somebody's going to be like, this dude's over here listening to Nickelback. We got to get the <laughs> hell out of here. So for the bookend test, yeah. eviction article gives you all the stuff you need for this album. It's, it's like a charcuterie board before the album. It gives you basically <laughs> what you're going to get. Gives you a taste of everything. Sure. And then with every intention is a great closer. And it kind of ties it up with a bow at the end. Like it's a, it's a decent gift. Yeah. I, I liked this album. Okay. I did. I, 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 it rode the fence for a while, but the more I listened to it, the more I enjoyed it. And I'm glad I did. I am glad you enjoyed this. I am too. I was, this is, this is out of my wheelhouse. Like this is not something that I be, because there, I heard so many different sounds in here. Mm. I think I would just go listen to those bands. Right. Like the sounds I hear, I'm like, well, this kind of sounds like the used. I'll go listen to the used. Right. This kind of sounds like armor for sleep. I'll go listen to armor for sleep. This kind of sounds like Evergreen Terrace. I'll just listen to Evergreen Terrace. Sure. And that may be why I never got with this band in the first place, because maybe they just sounded like the other bands I was already listening to. And I was like, I don't need that. I have this. Right. This was one. This was a record that I thought uh, I thought you would enjoy, but would I basically called it to myself. Like you would have little little spots where you were like eh, iffy yeah. about. But then I knew that there would be parts that would bring you right back in, specifically the hard the hard parts. By the end, even the parts that I was iffy about, I'm singing along with. Right. So it. Like it does its job. This album does what it set out to do. Yeah. What do you, what do you think? Throne or grown? I can't say throne because there's so many of the sounds that I heard that I would listen right. to those other albums instead. Yeah. Uh, I, I would definitely own this. I think at this point I would definitely spin this. I would own this and spin this because it, it's not in your face enough that it will like change my mood. Right. But it's also not backseat enough that it won't affect it if that makes sense okay i enjoyed it and i wouldn't be ashamed of having this in my collection so it's a no that's awesome that makes that makes me happy i mean i understand it took some work to get there but i'm stoked that, that it's there uh did you have a top three i gotta put white wedding dress probably at three just because i had nostalgia with it even though i don't think it's one of the best tracks on the album i just had that nostalgia that's also my number three. Oh, that's awesome yeah um, number two, this might be one of my least favorite songs on the album, but I okay. think it's one of the best songs on the album. All so right. I have to put it number two. Like it's not necessarily my favorite, but I think it's maybe the best song on there. And it's Battle Roy Sainthood. I That's think that my song, number two. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think that song's 
incredibly written. I think it's yeah. incredibly well produced. Yeah. I think it's whatever they wanted to do with that track, they did with that track. And I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know. I don't even it might be in my bottom two for like ones that I liked, but just because of how good it is, I can appreciate it. Yeah. Oh and, man. And I, yeah. I don't think we're gonna match on the number because my number one's so. released the dogs. Yeah, I figured it would be. Because <laughs> that one was the heaviest. Yeah. It really got it really got me going. Yeah. Mine's a handful of redemption. Okay. I, I could see that. Yeah. On, when I was listening to that one, I was like, this is a Scott song. Yeah, one hundred percent. This is definitely yeah. a Scott song. Well, wild we matched on two of them. That's crazy. That's never happened. No. This is a first. Write it down. Put it yeah, in the books. For real. We need a we need a curator that's keeping track of these records. <laughs> what is your album of the week? Uh, my album of the week is the Mountain Goats, Dark in Here. So that's their newest record. After we did the Sunset Tree, you heard me gush about that record for damn near an hour. First thing I did was go to Second and Charles, and they had Dark in Here sitting right there in the M section. Grabbed it up, brought it home, spun it. His mind is just so attuned to being a musical genius and having all <laughs> this knowledge. It is phenomenal to me. So this record, Dark in Here, has slight Sunset Tree feelings in the beginning. Then it jumps hard into a jazz feeling that okay. like blew my mind. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm right so, up your alley. Dude, I'm so down for everything else they do. I have two or three more of their records on order right now yeah. that I'm just, I'm, I can't wait for them to get here and just be down on. Okay. Uh, my album of the week. Yeah. The band is Senior Fellows. Okay. And the album, it's a long album title. That's why I'm trying to get here. <laughs> the album title is The Christened Remains of an Evolutionary Catastrophe. This is the one you sent me that clip of, right? Yes. God, yes. that clip was solid and i mean well if you want the vinyl it's seven dollars on discogs right now <laughs> oh stamps <laughs> it's doomy it's sludgy i i guess i'm getting into a sludge phase oh um, man bring it on 2022 i guess sludge phase it up i guess that's so gonna be a weird weird year oh if geez. i'm starting off with sludge it's gonna be weird yeah but yeah it, i know i listened to it before because mm -hmm. i don't put things on my shelf unless i spin them at least once sure so I spun it and I guess I just put it on the shelf and I forgot about it. And then I just pulled it out to add it to the rotation. I was like, I haven't listened to this. And I loved it. It is, it's chaotic. It's slow. It's, yeah. it's dark. The, the album art's fantastic. I, I love it. I, I think it's great. And if you like doomy sludgy stuff, listen to senior fellows, the christened remains of an evolutionary catastrophe. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Actually, I guess now's the time that I have to tell you what we're listening to next. Oh week. man. What are we listening to next week? Now this is interesting <laughs> okay. because, because, uh, I don't know how you're going to feel about this at all. Like normally oh. I have, normally I have like an idea of which way you could lean, how sure. to lean you know, maybe set you up to not hate something. <laughs> right. This is this will also be the oldest album that we have covered. Oh wow. That's exciting. Okay. Master of Puppets was what, 86? 86, yeah. This album, 1983. Oh. It is REM's Murmur. Whoa. Okay. I was wondering if we were gonna get into REM or not. It's REM's very first album, Murmur, debut album, and at the very least it's gonna lead to some interesting conversations. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least. Well, that's cool. I'm stoked because I only listened to REM like they're uh, automatic for the people. Yeah, but I, I don't even know if I listened to the whole thing. Okay. I think I listened to just a few tracks here and there. 
like the hits. Yeah, the hits. I, th- I like the end of the That's world how as I we was. know it. Yeah, that's how I was for a while, and then I said, you know what, Stick and I said we're gonna. Do, um, well, let's be real. I convinced Stick to do it. He really, <laughs> you know, he, he was he was on board, but it wasn't voluntary for a while. Sure. I said I want to do a run through of like REM. Like let's do it, and I think we're five five albums. It's about time to do another one. I think. But yeah, I had only heard um, what's their hits? Orange Crush. Losing my religion. Yeah, losing my religion was a big one. There's one other monster hit, but yeah, next next week, awesome. REM's Murmur, and I'm excited. Yeah, I'm stoked. I I'm down for a little college radio hit stuff, band yeah. stuff. At least you know what you're expecting already, though, too. Oh yeah. yeah, college radio. REM. Oh man, wait. You know what? I might come back. I think I might even have a record for you already for the next week. Then. <laughs> okay. We might yeah, we might stay on this on. train for a little bit. Is it is it one that's not on the list already? Like, are you giving me another new? Is there another new one that you just jumped the list? Let me check the list because I don't know if I wrote it down or not. <laughs> I'm interested to see if REM's in the vein you think REM. That's what I'm saying. That's why I said I'll, I'll wait. Ex- especially, just keep in mind when you're listening to this. Yeah, 1983. Yeah, I was like, one. Yeah, keep that. <laughs> I wasn't born for another seven years. Yeah. So just keep in mind 83 and then sure we'll talk about we'll talk about all that next yeah time. no i'm stoked that that's awesome i can't wait all right so that's it for this episode that is it so uh listen to us anywhere podcasts are available yeah follow us on twitter at ayl pod join our facebook group the link will be in the show notes email us at are you listening dot pod at gmail.com yep i check the email all the time so if you do email i promise to uh either respond via email or i'll save it for the show and we'll go over it if you have ideas for minisodes give them to us because we've been trying to frantically find ones and we've been trying to but the ones we keep coming up with we're like no that's gonna be like two hours at least yeah (laughs) every time Every time we might have to start a second podcast just to do the things that we were trying to do for the mini sets. Right. Thank you, listeners. Everyone. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for, for listening. And yeah, it's it's wild that we have people listening to us talk about music that we enjoy or yes, don't especially, enjoy, especially when I don't listen to music. It's, it's, it's weird that a guy that doesn't listen to music has a music podcast. I can't, I can't explain it. But thank you, listeners. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, brother. Love you. Love you too. You have a wonderful day. You as well. You listeners have a wonderful day as well. Please do. Are you listening? Are you listening? Yeah, you might be getting a candle that smells like pizza. I got a, yeah. <laughs>